episode four of Viking 360, the podcast devoted to Ripley High Athletics. I'm Brian Johnson, and I'm joined by Mike Rubin for more Viking news and interviews. I had a chance to have a postseason chat with Coach Eddie Smolder about the historic season of Viking football. And the Luke Parsons era of Viking basketball gets underway on Friday night. There's another new face around the program, too. We'll introduce you to Viking senior Isaac Putnam. And we'll have details on the season opening win by Lady Viking Basketball, the latest on Ripley High Wrestling, and a conversation with a former Viking athlete who is now competing on the collegiate level. So let's get started with Viking 360. Welcome back to Viking 360. I'm joined now by Viking head coach Eddie Smolder and coach what a season you had in 2018. Has it, uh, I know it hasn't been long, but has it had a chance to sink in a little bit what all you guys accomplished? Yeah, it finally has, Brian. During the you know course of the season, you try to enjoy it, but you don't have much time to take it all in and really appreciate what we were able to accomplish in 2018 because, you know, you're preparing for the next opponent right after a you know, win on Friday night. And, you know, 2018 was definitely one – uh, to remember, and it was also one to put in the record books. I'm just so proud and happy of our program, our kids, and our assistant coaches. Coach, you rewind all the way back to that Parkersburg South game, and, and we talked about it a couple of times. But coming out of that game, we felt kind of like what in the world just happened. We expected a little better performance out of our guys than that. And it turns out Parkersburg South was a pretty darn good football team. But what changed – after that week moving forward to help you guys uh, accomplish what you did in winning 10 in a row? Yeah, like you said, South's a really good football team. You know, we were fortunate enough to beat them two years in a row, which hadn't been done here in a very, very long time. I don't know if it's ever been done, to be honest with you. Ripley beat them one time in the last 10 years before I became the head coach. So, um, you know, they're a lot bigger school than us. They're a lot bigger team number and size-wise. Um, you know, every year we play, it's going to be a tough matchup. But – we didn't do anything different after that loss. We played really bad, and they played really good. And like I said, they're a top-10 football team. And, you know, we just got our butts handed to us. And, you know, rightfully so. We played bad, and they played good. And, you know, the outcome is um, what it is. You know, we didn't change anything. We just regrouped. And, you know, we practiced winning and losing in the off season. A lot of our kids play multiple sports. And, you know, you can't win every game you play. That's just the reality of it. After the game, I didn't yell or scream. I just – you know, let them know that we didn't play very well, and that happens sometimes. We just have to regroup and um, move forward and try to win um, enough to make the playoffs. So we ended up winning ten in a row. So, you know, that was that was an awesome thing, and you know, just kind of amazing to win that many football games in a row. To be honest with you, I've never won ten games in a row at any team I've played on or coached. You know, even from Little League. I mean, that's just an awesome feat to accomplish as a program. Talk about what it took to get there, Coach. Uh, not a magic pill. There's no uh, magic thing that you can do to make that happen. You're the one who was in here with these guys day in and day out in the offseason working out. And these 15 seniors, what those guys mean to this program and how they really kind of help turn things around here along with you and your coaching staff. Talk about how hard those kids work and, and how much it meant to them to win because it clearly showed from an outsider's perspective. Well, um, how it happened was we started working uh, relentlessly four years ago in the offseason when I got hired in January of 2015. The seniors on this team were eighth graders, and they came over three days a week after school and worked out 
with my upperclassmen that returned from Dave Tennant's last year, we had more eighth graders working out with us in my first year than we did upperclassmen total. So I knew um, the future was bright, but the present was going to be a challenge. And, you know, obviously it was year one. We won three games, almost won five, but we just didn't have the numbers. I think we had four seniors that year. You know, those seniors did a good job and did what they could. But, you know, you've got to win football games in numbers. And those kids continued to work. Some of them played as freshmen. Some of them played on the freshman team. A couple of them played JV. You know, in the off season we went back to work. Some kids, um, you know, played basketball or wrestled, which I encourage the kids to play multiple sports. Um, you know, I did in high school, and I'm a firm believer in at least playing two. But I have um, – I'm very fortunate to where we can have our kids in weightlifting class um, during the school day so they can lift no matter if they're playing a sport or not. And that's been a key contributor to our success as our kids being involved in a strength conditioning program um, year, you know, every month of the year. Um, in the off season, we – work really hard and I like to believe that we have the toughest all-season program in the state and those kids have bought into that. What's the difference between 18 and the other two years? Um, number one, these kids, like you said, their will to win as a group is by far the most I've been around as a head coach. Um, and I can say that my 2013 team at Sissonville was very close to this team, but this year's team had more numbers, so I would say this year's team that I coached had more want to win than any team I've been around as a coach and that goes a long long way especially in the fourth quarter especially on fourth down when the game's on the line and you guys saw that play in and play out with these kids pouring it out there um, number two this offseason was the most challenging we've had for them because I pushed them to a high level we did a lot of military training um, after school three days a week in the offseason to prepare them for the relentless, um, you know, season they were going to have and to get them to be more disciplined and tougher and to also form a closer bond where they have to depend on each other to survive, you know, certain things. So I think that was a big difference in what we did and the kids were comfortable. They're, they were developed. They're very close. And, um, you know, the outcome is what we see. Coach, how do you see that spilling over into the upcoming – this junior class now going to be your seniors next year and sophomores and freshmen and so forth and so on. Do you feel like um, the program has taken a large step? I know I do. Uh, you're the guy who's sitting in here all the time and sees it. Do you feel like you, you maybe turned a corner? I mean, we obviously had a, a breakout year. You know, the last two years we were really close. We missed playoffs in 16 by um, two plays. And last year we missed the playoffs by one play and lost three games by – uh, single digits, you know, so we were really close. Is our program grown and gotten better and developed? Yeah, it has. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to deny that from anybody's standpoint. Are we – have we arrived and got to our highest level? I'd like to think that, you know, each year we can keep on working and getting better. I know um, off-season-wise we're going to, you know, push the pedal a little bit harder because, you know, we've been there, we've done that. We're a playoff team now. We need to work even harder to try to sustain that. You know, high school football, you can't go out and recruit or get um, transfers in or JUCOs. you got to go with what you got. So we're going to take the kids we got, try to get a few more out from the schools, bring in our um, eighth graders going to be freshmen and build a mold and try to develop a good football team for 2019. 
Coach, I can get you to take your coaching hat off for a minute and talk about what this means to you. You played here as a Viking, the, the blue and white uh, courses through your veins, much like it does mine. And for you to have the success you had as a player here and now to come back as a head coach and be able to restore some of that shine on the Viking horn uh, this year, what does it mean to you personally? Um, personally, it was a, a goal and a dream of mine to always um, come back and be the head football coach here. I remember my last um, game at Death Valley when I was a senior, we beat Ravenswood and didn't know if it was going to if we were going to make the playoffs or not. We had to wait and see that night. We ended up making it and squeaking in at 16, but I knew it'd be my last game on that field, and that was, you know, a moment I can remember just like yesterday, and um, you know knowing I wasn't going to play on that field anymore, be with my teammates, but always had the ambition and goal to come back and coach here at Ripley High School. And, um, you know, I just want to thank everybody involved for helping our season um, develop the way it did because this was a dream of mine to take a team to the playoffs. And um, let the kids in the locker room, my assistant coaches experience um, the playoff success that, you know, I had when I was in high school here. And, Coach, finally, before I let you go, behind every great football coach, there's a great woman and a great family. You have that. Uh, Brooke uh, has always been very supportive of you and your dream, and uh, she takes care of home and does what needs to be done there. While you're winning football games here at Ripley High School, you have your dad, who uh, obviously on the coaching staff with you is a vital part of that. Your mom looking down on you from heaven. You were emotional after a couple of those games, and the, in particular the victory over Greenbrier East here at home. How much does that play into the emotion of it for you, just knowing what those people mean to you, how much they love you, and how much they support you? It means a lot. Um, you know, I love my family more than anything else on this earth. Um, you know, but I just give credit to God for, um, you know, creating this earth and letting us live in the country we live in and, the great, and also in the great city of Ripley. Um, I'm a firm believer that I came back here for a reason because I felt like God wanted me to. You know, it took, what, 12 years before I actually came back. Um, but I went off and gained a lot of experience and got to do my own thing other places. And I wanted to come back when I felt like the time was right. And, you know, I did. And I'm glad that I did. And I'm happy here. And, um, you know, I can't thank my wife and my two kids enough for just being supportive and being the best wife and kids I could ask for. You know, my mom is in heaven. I, I know she's proud of what we've accomplished, win or lose, but she's more proud of the fact that we're helping boys become young men um, and not just winning football games. My dad is my best friend, and, you know, he's great to have on the staff. I mean, he's real, obviously. He'll tell me when I screw up or, what you know, what he thinks I need to do. And sometimes I listen to him, sometimes I don't. That's the – Good thing about being a head coach, I don't always have to listen to my dad. Um, but, you know, it's an, he's an asset to our program, not just for the fact that, you know, he played Division One football and he knows the game and he's a tough guy and a relentless worker, but he loves kids and helping helping mold, you know, boys into young men as well. Um, you know, I lost a lot of close mentors in the last uh, four years. Coach Marino passed away during my first season. Um, Leon McCoy, which is my wife's, Grandpa, which was a big supporter of me and just like a grandpa to me, passed away um, two years ago. So I lost a lot of people in my close circle. And 
last year in 17, I wanted to win so bad for them to try to make them proud of me and the program. And it didn't work out like as planned, but just like before, I've been knocked down and hit in the face many times. And the only thing I know to do is get back up and keep working. And that's what we did in 2018. We went back to work and I think we made a lot of people proud. I don't think there's any question about it, Coach. Win, lose, or draw, uh, you made the Viking Nation proud. You made your family proud. Uh, you're making better men out of our kids, and we appreciate that. Coach, thanks for a great year. Enjoy your off season. We look forward to 2019. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you guys, what you do. You've been listening to Viking 360, and that's Viking head coach Eddie Smolder. So, Rube, as we continue to wrap up the football season, there were some uh, awards handed out this past weekend, along with a final uh, top 10 poll in Class AAA that came out. Yeah, we'll wrap up with the, with the poll, but I thought they had some uh, interesting awards to be presented at the uh, annual uh, football banquet, beginning with the Offensive Player of the Year. No real surprise there, running back R.J. Evans. Hard to not uh, give him that uh, award, considering what he has done on the offensive side of the football. Not only this year, Rube, but I think that's probably a combination of his entire career. The defensive player of the year could have gone to any number of players, but the winner um, was Jake Lawrence. Yeah, it's interesting the way they do that. They grade them based on tackles, based on missed assignments, based on uh, a lot of different things, and Coach Sayer keeps up with that throughout the year. There isn't a vote on it. It's whoever has the highest score, and Jake had the highest score, followed by Dalton Myers, and then I believe Caden Keeler was right behind him. Then the special teams uh, player of the year went to return man Evan King. Yeah, special kid. You know, there were several kickoff kick opportunities and punt opportunities in his career that he was just a step from breaking. I thought he was going to get one this year, but a very reliable guy back there, and I think that was a bit of a no-brainer. The lineman of the year, he's been a regular uh, up on the front there for several years now, Andrew Dolan. And, Rube, he's, a, uh, he's an old-school player, a, a tough guy, uh, plays hurt. He played hurt a lot this year that I think a lot of people didn't know about. And, uh, you know, very good footwork, uh, very much uh, in tune to what they wanted him to do up front, uh, led by the big Ed Smolder, his uh, offensive line coach. So uh, I think they were very pleased with what Andrew was able to accomplish this year. The leadership award went to two guys who have personality plus, Caden Keeler and Josh Kay. Yeah, I think that, again, one of those no-brainer situations. Both of those kids are vocal leaders. Uh, and, and Rube, they, they lead by example as well. Both of them always in the weight room. They're always doing the right thing uh, in practice. They, they stay tuned in. They're watching their film like Coach asked them to, to do. And those two guys were very uh, instrumental in the 10-game win streak this year. And along the same line of thinking, the Enthusiasm Award went to Caden Keeler. Again, uh, you won't find a more enthusiastic guy on the field. Uh, and, and that energy, Rube, is going to be missed. They're going to have to find somebody coming up, either in that junior or sophomore class, that's going to bring that level of enthusiasm to the field, not only during the game, but throughout the week in practice. I think that's probably what got Caden that award. The discipline award. And if there's one guy on the football field who has to have discipline, it's quarterback. It is, and, you know, it's a shame. We talked a lot about Cyrus Casto and wishing that he had a couple of more years to play because he got better with each snap throughout the season, and I think a lot of that, Rube, was because of that discipline. He was very in tune with what Coach Schmolder wanted him to do offensively. He didn't deviate from that, and as you said, discipline award, it, it, I can't think of a, a better guy to get that one. 
And we've uh, already addressed the these two players. The toughness award uh, went to both Andrew Dolan and R.J. Evans. Yeah, both played hurt all year long, and uh, we know what R.J. Do- was doing at the end of the season. Andrew was dealing with injuries all year as he continued to open up those huge running lanes for R.J. up front. The Above the Line Award went to another Viking senior. Going above and beyond what the coaches ask you to do, and that's Krista Frank. Uh, he was a kid uh, that was just tremendous all season long. He played on the defensive side of the football, which is where you heard his name most of the time. Uh, the only reason you didn't hear it on the offensive side is because he was an offensive lineman. And as we all know, those guys don't get the credit that they deserve. And Chris was one of those guys on the right side of that offensive line, along with Andrew Dolan that opened up huge running lanes for those running backs. So, Chris, not the biggest guy, and, you know, I talked to him about that, but he always went above and beyond what was asked him to do, and that's why he performed at such a high level. The Hardest Worker Award, and no surprise that running back Jeremy Harper was the recipient of that award. And it showed, Rube, I mean, a 1,000 yards for him from the fullback position. He made it possible for us to have two – thousand plus rushers in the same backfield in the same season and a kid not very talkative not someone who is going to win that enthusiasm award like Caden because he's just not that type of personality but what he does do he brings his lunch pail and his hard hat every day and he works his tail off and that's the reason that he achieved that award and I like this one the heart and hustle award yeah you think about that and Justin Wheeler was the recipient of that award and you know, there was question mark coming into the season. Is he going to be the quarterback? Is he going to is he going to play linebacker? Is he going to be a receiver? He did all of the above, and he showed a level of heart and hustle, uh, playing uh, in positions he hadn't played in his whole career to make big plays, to make uh, huge achievements on that defensive and offensive side of the ball. So again, that's another no brainer. And just like Jeremy Harper, this player uh, has aspirations of becoming a. Uh, in the uh, joining the uh, the military, he won the most improved player award. Yeah, and it's it showed again that offensive line. J.T. Horn, uh, he was left tackle on that that offensive line, and he did. He improved tremendously. His strength, his footwork. When you hear ta- when you hear Ed Smolder talk about him, his improvement, his ability to what Big Ed will call chicken fighting at the offensive line, where they get their hands in there and they're 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 really uh, quick with their hands, quick with their feet. J.T. improved tremendously. Well, they didn't get a whole lot of attention because of the success of the Viking varsity, but the Ripley Junior Varsity team also had a successful year, and they presented a JV Player of the Year. Yeah, they finished the year 5-1, and one, and I think this is going to be a name. You've alluded to it in the past. This may be a breakout guy next year, and it's Austin Bogus. He played some fullback this past year. I think you'll see him playing some linebacker as well, and I think he's a kid that uh, may – uh, raise some eyebrows next year, much as Jeremy Harper did early on this season out of the backfield. I think you're, you might see the same out of Austin. The freshman player of the year, he's a lineman, but not a huge guy, but he made a big contribution. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of those guys, Brandon Deal. He is going to be a guy similar to Krista Frank, uh, uh, very smart like Chris, uh, a kid that knows how to get himself in position uh, correctly to make the correct block at the correct time, open the correct hole. So I think, uh, again, this is a, a bright future for this young man, and we look forward to what he's going to be able to do next year. The scout team player of the year, and it went to a sophomore. 
Yeah, Jackson Foster, uh, he's uh, right now slated as one of the guys that will be battling for that quarterback position next year. Smart kid. He can really sling the football around. Uh, he can spin it all over the field. And uh, a tough kid, too, Rube. Uh, he played kickoff cover this year, punt cover as well. So uh, he's going to be a guy, much like Cyrus was this year, that they're going to lean on uh, in a big way on the offensive side of the ball next year. And, Brian, you've touched on this. Uh, Ripley we had the uh – Rare occasion of having two 1,000-yard rushers. Yeah, R.J. with over 1,500 and Jeremy right at 1,000. Uh, Jeremy Harper, that is. So uh, quite an accomplishment. I know something Coach Smolder is very proud of. And those two guys were a big key in the Vikings winning 10 games and going into the second week into the playoffs. And we had, um, what, about four players who uh, totaled up uh, more than 100 tackles on the defensive side. Yeah, that's a big number. You think about 100 tackles in a season. Obviously, we played 12 games this year, so that helped. But still, you have Josh Kay, Jake Lawrence, Dalton Myers, and Krista Frank, all four of those guys getting into triple digits on the tackle totals, and that, that is an impressive number. Uh, and the, the good thing about that, Rube, is uh, with the exception of Josh, the other three of those guys are at the line of scrimmage. So that's good to see uh, guys up front racking up a lot of tackles and not forcing your secondary to be the guys making all the tackles, which we've seen a lot in the past. So that really speaks uh, volumes about what type of defense we played this year. And you have to like this name as well, the Iron Viking. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you hear these other awards and you understand why Jeremy Harper and Andrew Dolan uh, won those awards, and, and that's a strength and conditioning deal as, as well as toughness. There's a lot of things that go into that, but I think it goes without saying why those two guys were selected. There could have been – any number of guys, Rube. I'm sure it was difficult for them to narrow down, but Jeremy and Andrew certainly uh, very deserving of those awards. And a very similar award, the Weight Room Warrior Award. And again, Caden Keeler, guy always in the weight room, always pushing himself, always pushing his teammates to get better, to get stronger. And it showed this year that we were a lot better up front on both sides of the football. And, you know, there's a good deal of that that goes back to, to the strength aspect. And and what Caden was able to do from a strength perspective to get uh, his teammates better as well, uh, certainly deserving. And, Brian, you're going to have to explain this one a little bit. Uh, they did not get candy bars, I don't think, but we had two guys that won the Snickers Award. Actually, they do get candy bars, Rube. Every Monday uh, it's an offensive line award, and basically if an offensive lineman gets a pancake block, then they get a snicker bar, one of the little mini snicker bars. And Coach Smolder said the reason that he did that because he didn't want to be in the locker room making pancakes every Monday to pay, to give those guys uh, for their award. So Andrew Dolan, Caden Keeler, obviously those two guys, uh, we saw what they were able to do up front and really uh, led the way in the pancake, I guess, Snickers award uh, for the Vikings in 2018. It was interesting that uh, Metro News came out with their final poll after the uh, – playoffs concluded of course no surprise at number one the Martin Martinsburg Bulldogs yeah I mean they're they're an institution it's incredible to watch them I watched some of the the uh, state championship game and Spring Valley was hanging with them uh, for a period of time and I thought man this might uh, end up coming down to the wire and the next thing I knew it was 31 to 7 so uh, certainly uh, without a doubt number one team in the state and uh, it's really not even close right now Number two was Spring Valley. Number three, Capital. You go to number four, one of the teams that defeated the Vikings, uh, the Musselman Appleman. And I, I think also deserving of that spot, Rube. I mean, uh, we saw them in person. Big physical football team. They have a lot of guys coming back next year, and I think that probably 
is another reason why you see them uh, where they are at number four in the final poll because you certainly expect them to be up there uh, when the uh, preseason poll comes out in August. Number five was Huntington. Number six, Parkersburg. Number seven, the Ripley Vikings. And they have to be pleased with, with finishing there. It shows respect on a statewide level. I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, you win ten consecutive games and you have uh, bookend losses, one at the beginning of the season to a, a very good Parkersburg South team and then one to end your season to what is the number four team in the state in the final poll. So both of your losses come to quality football teams. Uh, and, again, you win ten games in a row. It's hard to deny that. I think Coach Smolder uh, has really turned the corner with this program just to see us even listed right there, Rube. As you said, that's, that is quite a, quite a uh, benchmark. Number eight was Hedgesville. Number nine, as you mentioned, Parkersburg South. Number ten, coached by another Jackson uh, County native, and, and Luke Sammons went to the Knights of Cabell Midden. Yeah, again, three really good football teams. Uh, again, Parkersburg South, as you mentioned, uh, coming in ninth with our first loss of the season. Very quality football team. Cabell Midland, we know what they do year in and year out. They uh, have a tremendous program. Luke doing a great job down there. So, yeah, I mean, we have a lot to replace next year, 15 seniors to replace, so big shoes to fill for these upcoming juniors and sophomores, but certainly a lot to be excited about, Rube, when you look at that here in December and the Vikings still sitting in the top five, or top ten, rather. All right, that's going to wrap up our look at Viking football on Viking 360. We are down to the final 12 seconds of the game in this one. Ripley with a 10-point lead over the homestanding Riverside Warriors. And Ripley will win this one by the final score of 49-39 to pick up their initial win of the 2018-2019 season. It's Ripley 49, Riverside 39. The Lady Vikes had a three-point lead after the first quarter. They led by 15 at the half, led by 11 uh, after three quarters, and ended up winning the game by 10 here in Quincy, West Virginia. The Lady Vikings have coached John Kennedy win their season opener. For Viking 360, I'm Mike Rubin reporting. In that game, Coach John Kennedy crediting the Lady Viking defense with getting the victory. Ripley had three scores in double digits, led by Tessa Ray with 17, Lauren Rouse with 11, and Taylor Kennedy with 10. The Lady Viking Junior Varsity team posted a 54-16 win over Riverside. Haley McCune leading the Lady Vikes with 13 points. Coming up next, the Lady Vikes will play at Parkersburg on December 7th. The Big Reds opened their season with wins over Fairmont Senior and Wheeling Central. We're talking here on Viking 360 with former Viking basketball great Jameson Hunt. And Jameson, you went from wearing the blue and white at Ripley High for four seasons to now wearing the black and gold at West Virginia State. Tell us how things are going for you uh, down at Institute. Uh, things are going pretty good right now. Um, I'm in my red shirt season, so last year I red shirted. Um, so this year again, I'm a freshman. Um, last year I took the time to learn a lot about uh, college and how it's different from high school and uh, just being used to becoming a college athlete. So 
that first year was good for me, but this year, um, uh, with being able to play and stuff, just uh, taking more things in depth and uh, learning when and not to use things in game situations. Well, let's tell us a little bit about that. What are, what are some of the major differences between high school basketball and college basketball? Um, I think one thing for sure that's definitely different is the athletes and the size. Um, you know, in high school, uh, you'd be lucky to have a 6-4 post or a 6-5 post in West Virginia basketball, but now at this level you see 6-8 um, guys on the wing uh, who can run and shoot just like a guard. Um, and you'll even see guys like there's a guy for Urbana who's 7-3, so definitely the height's a little bit different. Um, and the athletes, too. I mean, at every position, everybody is stronger, faster, quicker, and um, a lot more skilled, so it's just a lot different than high school in that aspect. Let's talk specifically about practices. Uh, how long are the practices, and how demanding are they? Um, so our practices range from about two hours to two and a half hours. Um, they're more mentally demanding than physically demanding some days, especially um, like coming off a loss and the day before games, it's more mental about how you can focus in and really concentrate on things like scout and things. But um, with Coach Faulkner there at Ripley and him coming from UC and playing college for uh, four years, um, with those two years, it really gave me a good feel about what a college practice is like. So I'm uh, pretty fortunate to have been experiencing that uh, before college. And Jamison, tell us about uh, what you are majoring in at State and what your career goals are at this time. Um, I'm majoring in wellness education, so it's like a PE or a health teacher. And then I'm getting a minor in uh, math education. And I want to be a college basketball coach one day, so um, maybe uh, before I get started in the head coaching, I know you have you know you have to work your way up. So maybe I'll be teaching a little bit and coaching high school to start out with. Um, maybe even the Ripley it would be pretty uh, neat. But uh, just my dream job is Kentucky. So as long as uh, as long as I'm not there, I'll always be shooting for that and something to strive for. And I'm not saying the guy is basketball crazy, but he gets a rare night off at Institute. So where does he go? down to Riverside High School to watch his sister play basketball. That's Jamison for you. Yeah, um, not very days off is am I uh, off basketball, but even a complete day off, I'm still watching basketball, watching film, whether it's NBA, college, or high school back at Ripley. So I love it, though. Thank you, Jamison. We've been talking with former Viking standout Jamison Hunt. You're listening to Viking 360. Viking 360, I'm joined now by Viking senior Isaac Putnam, who comes to us by way of Virginia last year, by way of Roan County prior to that. Tell us a little bit of history, Isaac, about how you ended up here at Ripley. Well, so I grew up in Roan County uh, until my eighth grade year, moved out to Virginia. My dad's, his job switched up, so it was going to a new area. Uh, it's one of the most diverse places in the country, so it was really a big switch. Uh, especially eighth grade year so all my high school before this has been in Virginia with uh, I think we had 2400 kids around that at the school so big school and my dad's job switched again so we moved back here closer to his family they live in Gilmer County and so now I'm here for senior year. How exciting is it for you Isaac I mean uh, you've moved around as you alluded to a moment ago a lot 
but now you're in a situation where you've been kind of put into a leadership role as a senior with a team that you don't have a lot of, of history with and you've had a short time to uh, gel with them. How has that gone so far? Um, really, as far as gelling as a team, it's gone really well. All the guys here are, you know, hardworking and they all have the right attitudes wanting to win, you know, quick and this year. And there's nobody on the team that really thinks that they're a big piece or too big for the team or any. So I'm, I'm liking the team really well so far this year. The plan was you coming in to have you and Ty Johnson in the uh, backcourt together, or the front court rather. Uh, him being hurt, that's turned a little bit of a wrench into things for you here early on in the season. You may be asked to carry a little more of the load. Yeah. Um, I mean, going to rebound hard every time now is how it's looking. and um, But it's not like we're without pieces now. It wasn't just me and Ty. There's a lot of other people too, seniors, uh, Timmy, Yeti and Isaac Blankenship, they're all good pieces, and I think we'll be we'll be okay. Yeah, we obviously would have been better with Ty, but without Ty, we'll we'll still be a good team. Coach Parsons talks a lot about your defense and watched you in practice a couple of times. You really get after it on the defensive end. Is that something you take a lot of pride in? Yeah, I really do, and um, it all kind of starts on defense. And even when your shots aren't falling and you can't, offense isn't running right. You can always. You know, you always have defense to fall back on, and it's all effort. So as long as you give effort, it'll pay you back, kind of. Tell me about being at Ripley High School. Uh, again, a, a big change for you off the court, uh, a new school. Uh, how has that transition gone for you? I know you're a straight-A student from what I understand. Uh, well, I have one B AP calculus, but it's a B plus, but I'll be working on that. But um, it's – I mean, I really like Ripley High School. It's probably more relaxed compared to where I was in Virginia, and um, I really don't know why that is, but just as far as, I think it's because the community's smaller and everybody kind of knows everybody, and um, I mean, I'm liking it really well. Everybody's super nice, and there's no, like, really select groups. You can kind of talk to everybody, and everybody will be friendly to you. Everybody's going to be really friendly with you if we get a victory this week against Hurricane. Uh, it's a good good basketball team, a team that has a lot of history, a team that's won a state championship and been there a few times. It's going to be a big test for you guys. Yeah, I'm excited, looking forward to it, and I think everybody on the team's excited too. We're all ready to go and um, just excited for what we can accomplish this season. Any concerns about uh, first four games, I believe, being away from Ripley High School? Sometimes uh, that galvanizes teams, and when you get to travel together and get out and play in hostile environments, is there any concern from your standpoint about getting off to a slow start since you don't play here at Ripley for a few weeks? Um, I mean, not in particular, no. It, you know, it's the first games regardless of kind of where you are, and even if you are home, it'd be your first time playing home as a team. So I don't think for the first few games it'll make a huge difference where you are. But um, it'll be nice to be on the road with the rest of the team. I think it'll just help our chemistry. I know you didn't play football, but football team had a great year, went two rounds deep in the playoffs. How do you guys hope to feed off of that? I know there's a lot of excitement around the school uh, for the football team, and I know you guys want to continue that, uh, not only with the boys team, but I'm sure the girls team feels the same way. Yeah, I mean, we're all Ripley Vikings, and it's really exciting to see other teams do well, and the boys soccer team did really well too, and – I think everybody's excited for upcoming seasons because of seasons that have done well in the past, and that'll probably help the attendance and the energy at our own games at our basketball games. So it's got to help. Okay, before I let you go, give me a little bit of insight about what Isaac Putnam does when he's not studying. Obviously, you do a lot of that. 
playing basketball. What makes you tick? What are some things you like to do? Um, my family's actually a gospel group, and we go around and sing at a lot of churches, so a lot of music. I play guitar, bass, and mandolin, and all my family sings, and so we go around to different churches, and I mean, it's really fun to go and sing places and kind of like be in the community and meeting new people. Any chance we could get you to sing the national anthem before a game? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'd give my little brother. He'd probably be better at that. Isaac, thanks for the time, and uh, good luck this season. You've been listening to Viking 360, and that was Viking senior Isaac Putnam. Ripley started strong by winning three of the first four matches. They finished strong by winning three of the last four. Unfortunately, in between, Cabell Midland won six consecutive matches, and the Knights went on to defeat the Vikings by the score of 45 to 28 in a dual wrestling match. It was held at Ripley Middle School due to the flooding conditions, the construction underway at the Ripley High Gym. Winners for the Vikings by pin, uh, Gage Cobb and Evan King won their matches. Winners by decision, Ethan Kuntz, Brett Haskins, and Nate Cox for the Vikings. Reporting for Viking 360, I'm Mike Rubin. That will wrap up our fourth episode. It's a big weekend coming up for Viking sports with Viking hoops traveling to a hurricane. The Lady Vikings will be taking on uh, Parkersburg, and the Viking wrestlers will be competing at John Marshall. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button and turn on your notifications. Until next time, I'm Brian Johnson along with Mike Rubin for Viking 360. We'll see you around.